Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 1. The scripture tells us that Isaac lost his mother. Uh, She died and, and was buried and they mourned for her. But the Bible also tells us that God provided Isaac with a wife. And the scripture says that when Isaac took his wife, he was comforted in his mother's death. God is creative in how he comforts us. He comforts us in a lot of different ways. Um, But there are some actual ways that God comforts us that are accessible to us regularly in life if we take advantage of them. And uh, we all need God's comfort. You, you need God's comfort from time to time in your life, and I need it in mine. Um, so Isaiah has written this, and, and the context of the scripture is that Isaiah has prophesied the judgment of Israel, but now he is shifting gears, and he knows that once they go into captivity, they're going to need God's comfort They're going to need to hear what God's plan is for their lives, for the nation. And so he is giving them a word of comfort and instruction about some things of God and about the comfort he's going to provide. And he wants to lift them up with this word of comfort. But it's not just Isaiah's word, it's God's word. Because Isaiah says, comfort my people, says your God. This is God's message of comfort. And can I tell you, the fulfillment of these words of prophecy in Isaiah come to pass in the coming of Jesus Christ and the blessings that he brings to us in the new covenant. I want you to know today that we have some comfort that God has provided that is there for us consistently in our lives. The title of my message is Finding God's Comfort. We're going to talk about where to find that comfort. Look with me at uh, Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of forced labor is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned. And she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear. And all humanity together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice was saying, cry out. Another said, what should I cry out? All humanity is grass and all its goodness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers The flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Zion, herald of good news, go up on a high mountain. Jerusalem, herald of good news, raise your voice loudly. Raise it, do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with his strength. And his power establishes his rule. His reward is with him and his gifts accompany him. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. 
Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with a span of his hand? Who has gathered the dust of the earth in a measure or weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills on the scales? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Who gave him his counsel? Who did he consult with? Who gave him understanding and taught him the paths of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Look, the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are considered as a speck of dust in the scales. He lifts up the islands like fine dust. Lebanon is not enough for fuel or its animals enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are considered by him as nothingness and emptiness. The greatness of our God. Finding God's comfort. Where do we find God's comfort? Well, first of all, I want you to see we find his comfort at his cross. His cross. In verse 2, he says, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, announce to her, Her time of forced labor is over, and her iniquity has been pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Pardoned. Pardoned. We know from the book of Hebrews that the blood of bulls and goats doesn't take away sin. Only the blood of Jesus takes away sin. The pardoning that he is speaking of here is a pardon that comes through the cross of Christ. You said, well, I thought the cross of Christ came after the book of Isaiah. Yes, you're right. It does. Matter of fact, hundreds of years after. But I want you to know something. Those people who put their trust in God in the Old Testament, when they were forgiven, were forgiven because of the blood of Jesus yet to come. We, they were saved on credit. You take your credit card to the grocery store. Hopefully you don't get, in, get, a, get uh, in debt over your groceries. But debit card, whatever it is. But you take that credit card. You swipe that credit card. You receive the merchandise. And then later on you pay the cost. You see, that's what happened in the Old Testament. They were saved on credit. Jesus came and died at Calvary to pay the price for every sin. Matter of fact, you know what he says here? You have received double for all your sin. In other words, more than enough has been done for you to be pardoned. In the New Testament, it says, Where sin abounded, there did grace much more abound. Can I tell you something? The blood of Jesus can't be exhausted. The price that Jesus paid on Calvary can't be overcome. It is such a powerful force that no matter the sin, no matter the failure, when the blood of Jesus is applied to a life, God forgives every sin. He cleanses every heart who puts their trust in Him. Uh, The pardon is found, the comfort is found at His cross. I want you to know something. I was raised up in church. My parents uh, took me in the bed babies. Uh, But it wasn't until later on that uh, my dad gave his heart to Christ. And then I was raised up. But, you know, about age 10, I recognized that I had not surrendered my heart to Christ. I heard a message where it talked about repentance as a choice to turn from my sin in my own way to follow Christ and to to surrender to his purpose for my life and I knew I hadn't done that and so 
I began a struggle, and, and it lasted for about a year. And finally, I, I said yes to the Lord. And I, I remember coming to an altar, just much like these steps here, just kind of came to this altar and, and began to tell God, Lord, uh, I need you to do this through me, but I'm choosing to surrender to you. I want to follow you. And can I tell you, God pardoned me. He, he erased my sin. He made me his child. And, and the Bible talks about uh, the fact that guilt can't be taken away through these, these animal sacrifices. But it says that the blood of Jesus takes away our guilt. And I was carrying this great burden of guilt in my life because I knew I wasn't living the way God wanted me to live. And when I surrendered to Christ and put my trust in him, it's like that burden of guilt just lifted. Pardoned at his cross. I want to tell you something. Israel was in a sorry shape. Israel, uh, they were burning their children in the fire to Molech, the false god. They were killing the poor and the helpless and taking advantage financially of those who were, who were struggling. Widows and orphans became a prey. The, the scripture describes all of this. The wickedness was so bad during Manasseh's reign, the king Manasseh of Israel, of Judah, that the Bible says that the blood flowed in the streets. He was such a murderer that people were being killed. Listen, I want to tell you, they were in a sorry state, but can I tell you something? The blood of Jesus can overcome it. He, it overcame Israel's sin, and one day it will ultimately overcome it when all Israel is saved and Jesus returns. But it can overcome the sin of our nation. I know sometimes we look at the sin and we, we talk about the sin that's in our nation. But can I tell you something? I, I'm grieved by the sin of, of our nation just as anyone else is. But I know something that is a greater power than the power of sin. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. We find comfort at his cross. I want to tell you something. If there's hope for this man, it's going to be found in Jesus if there's hope for our families, it's going to be found in Jesus. If there's hope for this church, it's going to be found in Jesus. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. We find comfort at his cross. God says elsewhere in Isaiah, Come, let us reason together. Though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. I want to tell you something. A great exchange takes place when you put your trust in Christ. Your sin is placed on him and his righteousness is placed on you. White as snow. Come to his cross for comfort. You say, Pastor, I've been saved. I already know Christ. Come to his cross for comfort. You know what I've found? Yes, the cross comforted me when I came to Christ and I'm so grateful for it. But as I have read the word of God, and I studied the cross and the effects of the cross and what Jesus has done. Can I tell you, I find comfort at the cross, even still today. Where sin abounded, there did grace much more abound. The, the power of his cross has stripped the authorities. The scripture says that the demons of hell were stripped at Calvary. Did you know there's nothing the enemy can bring against you that's more powerful in the blood of Jesus. As you plead the blood of Jesus, it can overcome it. Find comfort at his cross. When you fail, remember, 
He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How does he do that? Through the cross. The blood of Jesus. Find comfort at his cross. Find hope in his cross. I want to tell you something. The fact that all of our sin and all of our guilt and all of our punishment and all of the wrath of God was poured out upon Christ at the cross. And that three days later, he rose up from it, ought to tell you what he can do for you. In the cross, we see the suffering of Jesus, but we also see that no matter how great the suffering, the victory is greater. Jesus could not be held by death, but he rose up. Find your comfort at the cross. So where do we find God's comfort? And before I leave that, let me say one, one other thing. If you, you are here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, the Bible says the way that we benefit from what Jesus did at the cross is the way of faith. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, that is to acknowledge him as your Lord, to say, Lord, I surrender to you. I choose to follow you. I repent, as I was mentioning earlier. And you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And in case you were wondering about it, who it, who it might include, Paul goes on to say in a few verses later, it's not just the Jews. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. There's a song called, Whosoever Surely Meaneth Me. <laughs> and it's true. No matter who you are, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Find comfort at his cross. We'll give you an opportunity to make that decision here a little bit later um, in our time of invitation. Find your comfort at his cross. Secondly, find your comfort in his word. Find your comfort in his word. Look at verse 6. Voice was saying, cry out. Another said, what should I cry out? All humanity is as grass. Its goodness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fade. That's kind of a discouraging message, isn't it? All the righteousness of people is just like grass that withers up. You and I... Apart from our Lord, we don't have a lot to offer. But look at what he says. Verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. I want to tell you something. People will disappoint you. Some of you, if you know me well enough and you uh, have a relationship with me, I'll disappoint you. Okay? I'm not trying to disappoint you, but we're human, okay? But can I tell you something? The word of God will always be sure and steadfast in your life. And I want you to know the word of God is not just any word. This, this word was written down by human authors. People a lot of times like to emphasize that. The fact is it also has a divine author. And the divine author, the Bible says, breathe the Word of God. All Scripture is God-breathed, Second Timothy 3.16, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. God-breathed. 
Peter says this, Holy men of old were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they penned the pages of Scripture. You see, this is not just man's word. This is God's word. That's why people who live thousands of years, can you imagine trying to have a conversation with somebody in Elizabethan English? Some of you talk about uh, uh, the King James, and we've, we've looked at the, the King James. If you look at the 1611 King James, sometimes you just have to scratch your head. I mean, the spellings aren't even the same. How could God take a word and a message written over thousands of years by different people in different nations and different different locations and cultures of the world, put it all together and have it have one common theme through Genesis to Revelation that Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman, Eve, would come, the seed of Abraham, the seed of David would come, prophesied in Isaiah, the suffering servant would come, and in the Gospels, Jesus comes and he says, I am the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of God. You see, all scriptures about Jesus, all scriptures about the grand message of his coming, it all stands together as a unity. What a marvelous thing God has done in his word. But the Bible says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It, sometimes it cuts us, spiritually speaking. As Peter p- preached his great message at Pentecost and, and began to say, Look, this Jesus whom you crucified, the Lord, has risen up. And made him both Lord and Christ. And the Bible says they were cut to the heart. They were convicted by the Spirit of God through his word. The word of God sometimes will point out your sin. It will point out, point out your shortcomings. But here's the great thing about it. The shortcomings point the way to Jesus. And when you take those shortcomings and that sin to Jesus, he can cleanse you. And restore you. So, it cuts us. The Bible says it is useful for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. You want to know how to live a righteous life? A godly life? You find it in God's word. Uh, I believe David wrote Psalm 119. But in Psalm 119 it says, How can a young man keep his way pure by taking heed or listening to Your word. You see, the word of God has the answer for a godly life. The word of God shows us how to walk in the power of the Spirit. The word of God gives us comfort when we need comfort. It lifts us up when we need to be lifted up. It confronts us when we need to be comforted. Can I tell you the best friends that you could possibly have are those people who will tell you the truth sometimes when it hurts but will also comfort you and help you get back up again and and do the things you need to do. True friendship involves both encouragement and confrontation at times. God's word is kind of like a friend because it it comes from the greatest friend, the friend that sticks closer than a brother, Jesus Christ. It comes down to us and it is his word to us that will not only confront us, but will lift us back up and set us on the right path. I can't tell you how many times that I've come to the Word of God 
And I've asked the Lord in my quiet time, said, Lord, will you speak to my heart? Will you, I, I need to hear from you today and, 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 and I'll feel led to a certain scripture. Or sometimes I'm reading through something, maybe reading through a book of the Bible and I'll go to that chapter and I'll begin to read in that chapter and the word of God will speak to the specific issue of my heart. I, can't, I couldn't tell you how many times, that's more than I can count. God has ministered to me through his word. I was sharing with my Sunday school class this morning that uh, this past week I had prayed, God, help me with my faith in this area. And within 15, 20 minutes, uh, through a broken headlight on my wife's car, I, I drove to go to the auto parts place, and there was a message on the radio from God's word about faith. When I came back, there was a different message on, on the radio about faith. And God strengthened my faith. I want to tell you something. We serve a God who cares about the details of our lives. Find your comfort in his word. Um, Regularly come to the house of God to hear from him. Regularly be in his word in your personal quiet time with him. And ask him to speak to your heart. And he'll lift you up and comfort you through his word. Where do you find God's comfort? His cross, his word, thirdly, his shepherd. I love this. He talks about the fact that Jesus is coming back and he's coming with his rewards with him. What a great hope that we have. Our shepherd is going to come back one day to rule as king. David was called a shepherd. And David, the Bible tells us, is a picture of Christ. He's the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. But you look at verse 11. He says, he protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. Our shepherd protects us. I want to tell you, you can find comfort in Jesus. In his protection. You know what Jesus said? No one can pluck them out of my hand. No one. I want to tell you, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he's got you in his hands. And the only thing that can come to you is what he allows. And if he allows it, the Bible says he makes all things to work together for good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. You can trust in his protection. You can trust him to lead you as your shepherd. He says uh, he leads those that are nursing gently. How does God lead us? He leads us through his word. He also leads us through his Holy Spirit. Sometimes he leads us through the encouragement of God's people. But God will lead you in your life. How do I become a good parent? There's a lot of stuff that you can find in God's word about how to be a good parent. How do I live for God a godly life? He'll lead you in that. But he'll also lead you as you seek him in prayer. As you take the significant decisions of your life to him, and even sometimes the the, the smaller things. I, I love to listen to God in the smaller things, and I pray that God will help me do that. I don't always do that well. But he'll guide you. And what you find is... Through the the good shepherd, you will fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. 
He'll lead you. And, and it's a wonderful thing. Uh, we won't know the full effect of his leadership one day till we get to heaven. But in those times we've listened to him, God will use it for his glory. Um, little boy brought five loaves and two fishes to Jesus. Lord, it's not much. Jesus took it and fed 5,000 with it. You say, Lord, I don't have much. Just surrender what you got to Jesus. That's all he needs. He'll lead you and he'll, he'll uh, help you to fulfill the purpose for your life. Come to him for your comfort if you're directionless. He gathers the lambs in his arms as a shepherd. Shepherds have a relationship with their sheep. Did you know that God didn't just save you so that you could have fire insurance? He saved you so that you could have a relationship with the God of this world. The Bible says that Christ died for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Relationship. He gathers the lambs. Shepherds speak and the, and the sheep recognize their voice and they follow them and they're gathered to him by his voice. God gathers us to himself. He, he whispers through his word, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Be in God's house. I want to gather you to myself so that I can minister to you. He, he whispers through his Holy Spirit and say, spend that time with me each day. I want to gather you near to my heart. I want to heal you where you're broken. I want to lift you up when you're falling down. He gathers you in. He gathers you in through the relationships you, you have with other Christians. And they speak that word of encouragement or maybe offer a prayer for you and it lifts you up. And Jesus is saying, see, I love you. I have ministered to you through this brother or sister in Christ. I'm gathering you to myself. As our shepherd, he carries us. Sometimes a sheep will get lame or uh, it, it won't, the leg will be broken. And what the shepherd does is he takes the sheep, the little lamb, and he carries it around his, his neck on his shoulder. Some of you have probably seen pictures of that. He carries the lamb and takes it where it needs to go. There will be times in your life where you can't put one foot in front of the other without his help. But he will carry you. He's our shepherd. He will guide us to a place of rest and comfort. Um, it actually, one of the words here, uh, I forget, it's some water has gone under the bridge since a few days ago when I was studying this, but one of the words in this, in this couple of verses actually has several different meanings to it. One of the meanings is rest. He brings you to a place of rest. Comfort. He brings you, brings you to a place of comfort. Uh, nourishment. He supplies the needs of your heart, your soul. What a beautiful picture. It reminds me of that great, great Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our shepherd, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Where do you find God's comfort? Find it in his cross, find it in his word, find it in his shepherd, and finally find it in his spirit. Find comfort in his spirit, the Holy Spirit. He is a person, third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Who has given him his counsel? Who did he consult with? Who gave him understanding? Taught him the paths of justice? Taught him knowledge? Showed him the way of understanding? The nations are like a drop in the bucket. What's he, what's he talking about here? He's saying the Spirit of God has complete knowledge and understanding. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? God is completely sufficient and perfect in his understanding. His spirit is perfect in counsel. Uh, In the New Testament, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. The paraclete, some of your translations may, may say, or encourager. He is the one who is called alongside us to help us. Jesus said, if I go away, I'll send him to you. So Jesus went to sit at the right hand of the Father. He ascended into heaven uh, after his resurrection, after a period of ministry here on the earth. And he poured out the Spirit at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says that Jesus sent the Spirit to be, literally the, the Greek word means he's the one who's called alongside us. He's the one to help us in life. Find comfort in his Spirit. Um, if you're a child of God, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, you put your trust in Him. The Bible says the Spirit of God lives in you. Know you not that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? That's what 1 Corinthians 3.16 says. He dwells in you. And because He dwells in you, He is always there and always available to help. When you're in need. Sometimes he helps by giving wisdom and instruction. The Bible says, let him who needs wisdom ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, and abradeth not, let him ask in faith. You see, the Spirit can give you wisdom. I, a lot of times I will pray silently when somebody comes to me and they have a question, and I'm wondering, okay, they're going to ask me for counsel, or they're going to ask me for, for, for direction. I'll pray for wisdom. Sometimes I pray for it with my family. Lord, will you give me wisdom in how to be a good father to my kids or wisdom in in, in the situation we're facing or whatever it may be. Uh, The Spirit gives wisdom. He's a spirit of wisdom, the Scripture says. Um, He actually will comfort you when you are discouraged. 
There have been times I've gone to God in prayer and I've said, Lord, I don't know what to do with this issue. I don't know what to do with this problem. God, where, uh, where do I find an answer? And I, I'm just kind of pouring my heart out to God about it. And somewhere in the middle of that, God's presence just comes and touches my heart. And I sense the presence of God comforting me. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit will comfort you. And the Spirit of God will give you direction in difficult times. I remember one of the most difficult times in my life was, was at my last church. We were having a, a, an issue there, which I won't get into. But anyway, I sensed God was saying to me, um, you just do what I tell you to do one day at a time, and you trust me. And so that's what I did. I said, Lord, should I go visit that person or not? <laughs> you know, I'd hear some, somebody in the, Lord, should I, what should I do? And, and I just let God lead throughout the day. And what I found was, even though I had no clue what I was doing, I really didn't. Somehow, through all that process, God worked in that situation. The problem was resolved and revival came. The Holy Spirit of God would direct you. You can find comfort in His Spirit. Uh, where can I go from your spirit? Remember Psalm 139? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the highest mountain, if I go up to Clingman's Dome, you're there. Or is that the second highest? <laughs> In the Smokies anyway. Um, if I go to the depths of the pits of the ocean, even there, you're present. I want to tell you something. There's nowhere you can go on this planet or in this universe that God is not. Isaiah says, do not I fill the heavens and the earth. Come to the Spirit for comfort. You say, well, how do I I draw near to the Spirit? Well, the first thing you do is you keep your sins confessed to God. Um, Don't wait when you blow it to confess the sin to God. Just immediately confess it. Ask God to give you a heart of surrender and trust. And then ask the Spirit to fill you, to take control in your life and to live through you. You know what the the book of Luke says? How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? If you're a child of God, you have Him dwelling within, but you can have a, a greater measure of His presence in your life. One person put it this way. It's not whether or not you have him, it's how much of you does he have. He is resident if you're a child of God, but is he president in your life? So surrender to him and and ask him to live through you. And uh, he will do that and he will be with you and comfort you and help you in your life. Finding God's comfort. Aren't you glad that God is a God of second chances? Israel had had so many chances, so many prophets, so many priests who had spoken to them, but they hadn't responded by and large to God. But even after all that, even after a time of great discipline, God reached out his hand in comfort and said, I'm not done with you. I have a purpose for your life. I want you to draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And I'll comfort you.
If you're broken, find your comfort at his cross, in his word, through his shepherd and through his spirit. He'll renew you and lift you up and give you a hope in the future. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message of comfort. Thank you that you have not made it a mystery where to find your comfort, Lord. But that we can find it at your cross.